Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Let me, let me read to you. This is uh, John chapter 14 verses 1 to 7. This is Jesus. He says these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I may that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. There are weeks where we need peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, today is one of those days. My prayer is that we would have peace in our hearts that surpasses the understanding of our circumstances. That, Lord, we would continue to put our faith and our trust in you. I pray that today, as we read your word, as we look at the things that you've said to us, I pray that we would be transformed by what we hear. I pray for every person in this room that our ears would be open, that we would hear what your spirit wants to say to us. I pray for such grace to be upon today as we preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. My grandfather died when he was 59. He died of um, bowel cancer. And I remember when he died, um, it, it was a very traumatic experience. And for me, it was the first time that I probably really encountered um, death in such a significant way. I remember after he died and I, I went to the funeral and I, I have vivid memories of this. Afterwards, weeks later, trying to come to terms with what I understood to be true, that my grandfather who believed in God and loved God and, and so forth, that he had died. I remember having a conversation with my mum and uh, just sitting in my room one day and I asked her these questions. I said, but why did he have to die? Why did he have to die? Why was he not healed? Why was he not, um, you know, uh, resurrected and, and so forth? And I asked these questions and, um, you know, my poor mom, you know, she's sitting there, lost her, lost her father. And I'm asking her questions that she cannot answer. And so she sort of helped me try to process that and, and you know, sort of work through that. And as I um, travel and journey through life. I like to speak to people about Jesus. Isn't that good? So when I speak to people about Jesus, particularly people that have no faith in him, I ask them the question, so what do you struggle with? Do you know how often someone tells me because a loved one had died that they can't believe in God? They say, well, you know, my grandfather died, a grandparent or, or, or someone that was close to them. And they encountered that experience and they asked the question, why? Because it's such a hard thing to wrestle with and to understand. Let me say this to you today. Don't let circumstances rob you of truth. Don't let circumstances rob you of truth. I think about Jesus 
God sent Jesus to earth to defeat death. He says, death, where is your victory? The death has been swallowed up in victory. You know, God sent Jesus for this purpose. So when it comes to understanding the will of God in this circumstance, where do I take my cue from? I know where I look. I look at the fact that he sent his son to destroy that very thing. I look at the fact that when he created life, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. And how would that supposed to work? Except that they would never die until sin came. So what was his intention? His intention was that they would live forever. That when people would be resurrected, that they would go and have eternal life. We were told that Jesus would bring life and bring it in abundance. My God is the God of life and never of death. I never have to second guess His will. His will is always for life every single time. Listen to this for hope. When Jesus was on the earth, everybody that came to Him, every single person that came to Him, everyone got healed. He never sent anyone away. Everyone who came to Him got healed. And what did we read today? That if you'd seen the Father, you'd see me. So when I ask the question, what is God's will in the midst of very difficult circumstances? I know every time it's life, it's life, it's life. Every time. Every time. His will, His purpose for us is life. So when in the middle of the tragic circumstances that we understand this week, how do I understand that? I understand that God's will and His purpose is for life. How am I ever to pray in faith if I always have the question mark in my heart? Is this a person that God wants to die? How can I ever pray in faith? I come to God. What is it that moves the mountains? So how am I have, supposed to have faith that moves mountains when I have to second guess my God's motives? But I never, give, I never have to do that. Because everywhere I look, I understand that my God is the God of life. So I never say, God, I'm praying for somebody. I say, God, you know, what do you want to do with this person? I know every time, which is why I always pray for healing. So then you wouldn't know this. But hours, hours, in the middle of the week, this spot right here, no one around. I pray here, tears in my eyes, praying, God, would you heal my friend? I want him to be healed. Come on, God. I'm praying for him to be healed. I've prayed all those prayers. Why? Because I know God's will. And then so you say, well, if that is true, then why did he die? See, I've created a problem for myself which is that I believe that God wants to heal people every time. So we say, then why did, he, then why did Brian die? Why did my, my friend die? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. One of the responsibilities I feel, not that people necessarily put this pressure on me, but I feel the need to answer people's questions about faith. So I stand here, I think, what do I say? I give you the only answer I can, which is, I don't know. I don't know. what well, I know in part. One day I'll know in full. But right now, I can't make sense of it either. But despite the fact that I can't make sense of it, doesn't mean that I second-guess my God's motives. 
And I've learned something else to be true about, about God. I've learned something else to be true, that I don't have to understand everything He does in order to trust Him. He doesn't have to explain Himself to me. Because when I look at Him and when I know who He is, I know that I can keep trusting Him. Jesus tried to explain the same things to the disciples in the Scripture we just read. And He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know why He said that? Because He was going to die. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, this is what He said. He said, believe in Me. Now, if I come to you and we have a conversation after today and I stand to you face to face and I say to you, Believe in me. What am I saying to you? They say, well, of course I can believe in you. We're having a conversation. It's not hard to imagine that you exist. You're right in front of me and you're talking to me, except this is not is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, believe that I exist. He says, believe in me. Believe in my character. Believe that I am for you. Believe that I'm never against you. We're saying that we should put our faith and our trust in Him. That's what He says when He says, believe in me. And I've understood this to be true in all seasons of life. It is easy to trust God in my blessing. When all the bills are paid, when all my kids are healthy, when all the people that are around me are alive, and no one has any terminal illness in that moment. Believe in me. No problem. I can do this. But then trouble comes. And if all of my trust in God goes, when trouble comes, it means that my faith is circumstantial. It means that every time something hard comes, that I second guess my God, that my faith goes up and down. I say, who are you today? I don't know if I can trust you. And I've learned something about faith is that it's never meant to be circumstantial. It shouldn't be subject to that. But I'll tell you one thing Jesus never said. He never said your circumstances would be easy. He said, believe in me. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Because you know what? When your hearts are troubled at that moment, boy, is it easy for truth to be robbed from you. When your heart is troubled, when you don't understand what's going on, at that moment, it's so easy for truth to be taken from you, stolen from you. He didn't say our circumstances would be easy. And can I point out this fact? That not even Jesus' circumstances were easy. Jesus had people that passed away around him too. In fact, one very good friend. He had a friend. His name was Lazarus. You may have heard of him. His friend Lazarus died. And the story is that he gets the message. Hey, this, Jesus is never in a hurry. Your friend is dying. I'll see you in a week. I think, could you move a little quicker? But I always think that about him anyway. <laughs> always. He's not on my time schedule. So then um, Jesus goes and he, he comes to his friend and his friend Lazarus dies. I want to read the story to you. Let's go to the next slide. It says this. When the Jews who were with her in her house consoling her, they saw Mary rise and quickly go out. So Mary was Lazarus' brother. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest sentence in the Bible. 
Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, the thing about this story that I, I think about is that Jesus comes, and he comes to this place where his friend, his good friend, has died. Jesus knows he can raise him from the dead. He knows this. Not only does he understand that he has the ability to do it, he knows he's going to do it. And so his friend is, is dead. Now, if this was me, I would walk into that room and say, stop crying. Don't worry about it. Triumphant. I'd be excited, victorious. I would walk into that room and say, don't worry about a thing. Because he's about to be resurrected from the dead. And Jesus is about to do it. But he cries. Why does he weep knowing that he's about to raise him from the dead? Do you know why? Because it's sad. It's really sad. And he's in the company of people who are distraught. Their heart's broken. Romans says that we rejoice together. We weep together. We go through these things together. So he stands in the presence of people who were distraught and broken and upset. And it says that he wept. It says that he cried. Here are the things that Jesus did not say. He did not say he's better off. He did not say, it's okay, don't worry. You see him again. He didn't offer any of that. He just cried. That's how you know you're normal. When you cry because someone passed away, you're a normal person. Please, please, please do not carry around a false, victorious projection of what you think Christian faith should be. When somebody dies, it's sad. When we lose someone we love, we should be upset. And this week we lost a good friend. It's okay to struggle with that. It is okay to cry about that. And you know what? God is not afraid of any of your questions. It's okay to ask Him why. It's okay to say, well, then why wasn't He healed? It's okay. He's big enough to handle anything that you can throw at Him. So you know what? It's okay. But don't let those questions, don't let that grief rob you of the truth that your God is good. That He loves you. Last year, in this church, in a matter of months, I had five couples come to me separately and say, we can't have children. We can't have children. We're, we're trying. It's not working. And um, we just don't know what to do. So I said, great, we're going to pray into this. Four out of five couples now have children or they're pregnant. Four out of five. If every time I only credit God with the negative things that happen in my life, I miss all the life that He creates. I cannot let my soul focus be the why. How come? I cannot let the, the death be my focus. My God is not the author of death. In fact, the truth is, is that that is a problem that He solved. solved. It says that He defeated death. And you say, well, then people still die. I know. But it's not the end. It's not the end of the age. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will be a physical and a bodily resurrection. But in the meantime, people's spirits are resurrected. 
And when the spirits are resurrected, oh, oh, get ready for this. Are you ready? No, you're not. <laughs> Anne is. None of you were. Are you ready for this? The king prepares a place for you. Is that not amazing? The king prepares a place for you. He's God. And he prepares a room for you. Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a room for you? Basically, he's just saying, I'm not lying. I'm legit. Man, I love going to hotels. I love it. I do. If you want to bless your pastor. Anyway. So we leave. We get in the... It's my wife and I, Sarah. It's our 10-year anniversary next month, right? So, so I want to go on a holiday, a hotel, whatever. But then we get in the car and, and, and we drive to the hotel. And somebody comes out and they greet me. And they call me sir. Never happens outside of this. I didn't even tell people to call me pastor. Anyway, they come and they say, hello, sir. I was like, that's me. And then they, and they say, can I, can I take your car for you? I say, no problem. And they said, do you have any baggage? Of course, it's in the boot. Then somebody else serves me. They get the bag out of the car and the concierge and they take it through and I meet the person at reception. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. Are you kidding? This is the beginning of a holiday. I'm fantastic. And then they say, let us take you to your room. So then they take me. They take me to my room and they walk up. They open that door. Here is a room prepared for me. You know, it's got all the little soaps and, and the shampoo that you steal. And then, and then if you say, it's my anniversary, they'll give me wine, not a sin. So I told you transparent. It happens. So, so then they, you have wine and you have all the stuff. How many people love that? Have you ever had that experience? All right. And then at the end, you go down the lift and you say, we're checking out today. And they go, all right. Well, we've got your bill right here. I don't like that part. <laughs> so they give me the cost attached to the room that was prepared for me. Jesus never told his disciples the cost attached to the room that would be prepared for them. They didn't understand at that point that in order for them to get to the room, Thomas, oh, Thomas, but how will we get there? You'll find out. I'll take you there one day. It'll all make sense one day. Don't worry about that. When that day comes, don't worry. I'll explain it to you on the day, right? Because he knew that the cost attached to it was death. Can I tell you something? The fact that you're alive means a place is prepared for you. The fact that you're just alive, it means that a place is prepared for you. Jesus tells his disciples, it's not time for you to go yet. It's not your time. There is an appointed time for everyone. Everyone has an appointed time. But what matters is what you do with the time that you have. What matters is that what you do with the time that God has given to you. On your tombstone, there are two dates, the date that you're born and the date that you die. And between the two, there's this little dash. That little dash in there is your life. That little dash in there is all your accomplishments, all your achievements, all the stuff that you do with life. It's just in that little dash 
that thing called life. I want to explain something to you that is just hard hitting and true. Everyone dies for something. I just want to know what you're prepared to live for. There's always a reason. Like for thousands and thousands of years, everybody has died for some reason. I just want to know what you're prepared to live for while you're here on earth. What will your dash mean? What will your dash mean? Oh boy, it's, I'll say something even, even harder than that is that I say a place is prepared for everyone by fact that you're alive. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus doesn't prepare a room for everyone, only those who use their dash to follow him. Only the ones that use that thing called life to follow him. One day, every single one of us will stand before our maker. And on that day, he will ask you, the most important question that you will ever be asked in your life, what did you do with your life? What will you do with it? What did you do with it? Did you follow me in life? Thomas says, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? How do we know how to get there? Jesus answers it. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Years ago, I parked my car at work, and I locked my keys in the car. Devastating, right? So then, not really, I'm just being dramatic. And so, anyway, I locked the keys in the car, went inside, and I said to them, I locked my keys in my car, I just need to, I need to use the phone so I can call the RACV. The RACV, they, they came, and they break into the car, and I'm like watching, because I think I may need to do this again, so, of my own car. And... Um, <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to clarify that with you all, but anyway. Last week, I, if you were here last week, I, took, I had a balaclava. Anyway, that's another story, right? So, so then I am looking, right? I'm looking at the keys and the RACV man comes and then uh, they, they, they let me into my car and I, there was something on the back seat. So I grab it and I, and I get the door and I close the handle and I think, oh my goodness, did I just do that again? And I look and my keys are still in there. This is the dumbest thing I have ever done. Oh, no, I've done a lot of dumb things. Maybe that's not true. So anyway, I, I look, and the RACV man is just driving off. So I start trying to wave him down. He's gone. He turns the corner. So I call the number again. I say, uh, I've locked my keys in the car. They said, we've sent someone. I said, I know. I, uh, <clears throat> I just did it again. She says, no problem, sir. She was not thinking that. She was thinking, you are an idiot. Yeah, she, what's wrong with you? So then I call the RACV man. Guess what? He comes back. He breaks into my car for a second time. I'm paying more attention this time. I want to learn how to do this for my own car, right? So, so this is the thing. I can break into my car. You can't break into heaven. I can nearly break into anywhere if I have the right tools, but I can never break into heaven. You know when some people pass away and some people don't want to say the right thing, they say, heaven's gained another angel today. No, they didn't. When you die, you don't become an angel. That's a different creation. You don't become an angel. You, you don't get there and they say, great, we'll just do a transforming work in your spirit life and you'll become an angel and then walk right in. But people don't understand this. You can't just walk straight into heaven. You can't even break into heaven. You can't get in there. You know what God will do? He will look at your tombstone. 
He will say, what was written in the point between two dashes? What did you do with your dash? What did you do with your life? He asks, the father asks for the testimony of his son. And I already know what the son would say. Because the son, he says this, Revelation 21 verse 27, this is what it says. It says that no unclean thing will be allowed into heaven. So you need the righteousness of Christ in your life. So he says, I'm not going to let, I just can't let anyone in there. He's, he, he's clear on that. He goes, well, who do we let in there? Everyone whose name is written in the book of life. Whose name is written in there? Those that spent their dash following Jesus. And when you follow Jesus with your life, your name goes in the book. And the father says to the son, I love this person. You've got to understand something about God. He loves everyone. He wants everyone's name in the book, but they're not always in there because not everyone spends their dash following him. And so he looks in the book. I, I kind of imagine the father perpetually weeping over people saying, oh, please, is their name in the book? And Jesus says, um, it's not in here. They didn't call on me. They never followed me. They didn't spend the dash between the dates pursuing a life with me. I know what was written on Brian's tombstone. I know the dash. Written on Brian's tombstone is that he loved God, he followed Jesus, and he loved people. And therefore, I know where he is. I know where my friend is right now. I know he's in heaven. I know that I can say that because I know about his life. His tree bore great fruit. So I know where he was planted in his life. What will you say? What will your dash declare to be true about you? What will it say of your life? It will say that you were worried about the opinions of others. So you spent your dash following at a distance, but not too close to be associated with Jesus for all the fear of persecution that could come your way in your workplace, sport club, whatever. What will your dash say about you? What will it declare to be true about your life? Would it say that you're distracted? Then there's a parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, he says, the cares and the affairs of the world, they choke the life out of people. They choke them because they get distracted by things that they shouldn't be distracted by. There is a person who, by all accounts, wildly successful person, who understood this principle and only at the end of his life. We're going to read this together. These are the last words of Steve Jobs. He says, I have come to the pinnacle of success in business. In the eyes of others, my life has been the symbol of success. However, apart from work, I have little joy. Finally, my wealth is simply a fact to which I am accustomed. At this time, lying on the hospital bed and remembering all my life, I realized that all the accolades and the riches of which I was once so proud have become insignificant in my imminent death. In the dark, when I look at the green lights of the equipment for artificial uh, respiration and feel the buzz of their mechanical sounds, I can feel the breath of my approaching death looming, looming over me. Only now do I understand that once you accumulate enough money for the rest of your life, you have to pursue objectives that are not related to wealth. 
It should be something more important. For example, stories of love, art, dreams of my childhood. No, stop pursuing wealth. It can only make a person into a twisted being just like me. God has made us one way. If we can feel the love in the heart of each of us and not illusions built by fame or money like I made in my life, I cannot take them with me. I can only take with me the memories that were strengthened by love. This is the true wealth that will follow you, will accompany you. He will give you strength and light to go ahead. Love can travel thousands of miles and so life has no limits. Move to where you want to go. Strive to reach the goals you want to achieve. Everything is in your heart and in your hands. What is the world's most expensive bed? The hospital bed. You. If you have money, you can hire someone to drive your car, but you cannot hire someone to take the illness that is killing you. Material things lost can be found, but one thing you can never find when you lose, life. Whatever stage of life where we are right now, at the end, we will have to face the day when the curtain falls. Please treasure your family, love, love your spouse, love your friends, treat everyone well and stay friendly with your neighbours. Here is a man who is by all accounts amazingly successful. I read a life of destruction. All the things that he said that were so important, the accolades, all the things he says, they're just not that important. He spent his dash being successfully distracted from probably what was his created purpose. I know another man who said the same thing. His name was Paul, Paul the Apostle. He says, I count everything, all the accolades of life, I count them as loss for the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. You got to understand how important that one thing truly is. A life distracted is a life in regret. Here's the thing you get to do right now. Make sure you never get to the end with regret. To live the dash, to use the dash to follow Jesus. You know what I was thinking about this? I thought, man, what would I want on my own tombstone? that I was faithful to what Jesus asked me to do. I was faithful to Him. You know, it says of David that he served his purpose in his time. I would love that to be said of me, that I did what God asked me to do with the time that I had. I spent my dash wisely. I didn't live my life in regret. That I told the truth, always, always declared the truth. I didn't take that light, light that lamp and, and then hide it under a bushel. I didn't hide the truth from anyone. I spent my dash declaring truth, telling people, well, I think it's the most important thing you can ever tell anyone. I wanted to say of me that I finished strong. That's what's written on Brian's tombstone, that he finished strong. He prays to the end. He gave his life to Jesus and he never stopped pursuing Him. Even when it was bleak, I know because I spent a lot of time speaking to Brian about this. There were days that he had that was so hard. He said, he would always say this to me. He'd say, yeah, uh, yesterday was a bad day. I'm back on top today. My God lives. This is what is written on his tombstone. He finished well and he finished strong. And I want that to be said about me too. 
So what would I say to you today, other than to give yourself totally to Jesus, totally and utterly to Him, give Him your whole dash, don't hold back, give Him every part of it, give Him your reputation, your plans, your future, so that when you die, the dash between the dates made the right impact in your life. So you spent your dash wisely. James says our lives, they're like a mist, they're like a vapor. We're here one minute, we're gone the next. We make these plans, we boast about tomorrow. We don't even know. We don't even know that tomorrow will come for us. So with what I, you know, is what I have done up to this point, have I spent it wisely? Did I live the dash that God had for me? The, 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 the little thing between the two dates, my starting date and my ending date, did I spend that the way that God had asked me to spend it? There's a story, there's a story about a man, you may, have, you may know the story. His name was Horatio Stafford. And in, uh, he was born in the 19th century. And so he was, a, he was a man who was a lawyer, very successful, very successful, very wealthy, and had properties and businesses and a successful law firm. And he was married. He had four daughters and one son. It's a tragic story, very sad, but he lost his son. And, uh, you know, I have... Uh, two sons and one daughter, and to lose one of them would be very, very hard for me. But they lost one of their children. And a uh, very sad set of circumstances. But then, in addition to that, he lived in Chicago, and these big fires, they went through Chicago, and they burned his businesses, his properties. Uh, he lost big. And so there was so much death and destruction, so much, it's horrible, right? So he says, you know what, we need to get away as a family. So. He's uh, good friends with some great evangelist preachers of the time and a devoted Christian himself. And they were going on a tour around uh, uh, England, the UK. So he says, we're going to go over there. We're going to jump in on that tour and we're going to make it into a holiday. So he gets his family, he buys them all tickets and they're all going to get on the boat and go over there. But right at the last minute, some business, it pops up. And so he says, listen, I tell you what, I can't, I can't actually go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my wife and my four daughters I will send them on ahead of me. He gives them tickets to the boat. They leave, but the boat crashes and his whole family are killed. His wife and four daughters are lost and they tell him this. And at that moment, he's thinking, I don't know exactly how to deal with this, but I know I need to go and pick up my family, my daughters. So he starts to travel to England. He buys a ticket to go the same direction. And he writes these words, he pens these words that says, it is well with my soul. He says, it is well with my soul. I think, how can it be well with your soul? How? Because in the middle of all the hard things of life and the circumstances and everything, I know one thing is that I never stop believing in God's goodness. Why is it well with my soul? Because God is for me. 
He's never against me. He loves me. I know I don't understand everything. It's not well with my soul because I understand everything. If I required understanding for everything to be well with my soul, I'm going to struggle a lot in life. But it's well with my soul because I believe in my Saviour. It's well with my soul because my God loves me. It's well with my soul. I'm okay. And we will go through hard times and there will be so many difficult things about life that we don't understand, but you can get through and it can be okay. Through it all, we keep our eyes fixed on Him. We never lose sight of what He's done. We never lose sight of what He stood for. And we never confuse the message. And we never say, God, what's Your will? We know His will every time. It's life. It's life. It's life. And I don't understand why some people die. And I don't understand why some people are resurrected. I don't require that to move on in life, to be okay. For it is well with my soul. We're going to stand together this morning. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.